Welcome to the DevReady Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, we're joined again by Matt Wallach, who is from Excellus, uh, SaaS sales expert. Uh, last time he was on the episode, we were talking about uh, the four pillars of um, scaling in a SaaS company. And today, we're going to talk about the perfect deal process and just dig in a little bit more around that. We mentioned it a little bit in the episode. It was episode 53, if you want to go back and have a bit of a, a look and a revisit. But yeah, we wanted to discuss perfect deal process today. Matt, thanks again for joining us. Absolutely, Andrew. Glad to be here again. I really appreciate it. So, let's dive right in. Um, maybe give us a quick 30, minute, 30 seconds around who you are and your background, just for anyone who hasn't listened to the previous episode, um, in terms of uh, your um, role in SaaS. Sure. Yeah, I've been in SaaS for about 15 years. We started a company uh, uh, mid-2000s that we were really confident in. We knew the product was good. We knew it would help. However, it was my responsibility to do the sales and marketing for it. And I had done that previously in other companies, but not in SaaS. Nevertheless, I was super confident, knew that I was going to rock it and immediately fell on my face and had no idea what I was doing in the SaaS world, no clue and couldn't make it work. Struggled for quite a while before actually figuring out the process that is necessary to be able to scale. Once I figured out that process, we went exponential from that point forward. Closed a ton of business, really, really had excellent close rates north of 60% for the whole team. We got Inc. 500, which is a US award for fastest growing companies in America. We had investors you know, begging us to take them on. We eventually exited for a lot of money. It all was because of what I developed, the perfect deal process. And that is the process that helps you sell and scale SaaS companies. That's a great summation for anyone listening. And um, I think, yeah, last time we spoke, you dug in around the business um, and what you did. And I think there's been a couple of SaaS um, businesses uh, over the journey. So if you want to go revisit and have a look at that episode 53 uh, to dig in more around Matt's background. But as you can see, there's quite a bit of um, an interesting background there and a quite a bit of success, but also learning. And you mentioned it, it it's uh, walking to something new um, in the SaaS world is was probably very different at the time. Uh, I think we dug into that a little bit in the previous episode around um, the challenges of converting people from the old uh, server in the back room, uh, the desktop computer, uh, having the, the, um, the software on the desktop to a SaaS model, and that was a whole education process. So there's plenty of learning in that episode and a lot of value for our listeners. So if you haven't heard it, episode 53, I'll mention it again. But let's talk about sales uh, and sales and SaaS and what this perfect deal process is, maybe how you got to got to it and how it sort of came about over the journey because imagine it was a bit of an evolution for you. Yeah, it really was. And I, I, I didn't know, I, I, you know, I figured, of course, I had success in sales previously and, and was very confident in what I was going to do. And so when we started the company, I I had no idea what I was in for. I did not realize that there was quite a bit of nuance and technique involved within a SaaS sale that you know, was completely unknown to me. And so uh, it took me a lot of stumbles and tripping and I didn't, I didn't you know, force my way. I, I went out and tried to find somebody to help me and I was looking at blogs and videos and unfortunately there just wasn't a lot at the time. Uh, surprisingly, even still, there's not a lot. There's only a few SaaS coaches out there like myself that focus on sales and marketing and growth. Um, 
so it, 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 I had nobody to turn to. And like you said, we were basically the only, we not basically, we were the only product in our space that was SaaS. That's it. And I didn't really have an option. I was reading all these books, trying to figure it out. I realized all these books, they're all for general sales. And what I was trying to apply wasn't really fit to SaaS. So it, it really took a lot of trial and error to try and figure out how do I take a general sales model and modify it and mold it to be able to fit what we're doing here with our company. It took quite a while. Fortunately, it worked out. I know many others who I've talked with since who tried the same thing and it didn't work out. They didn't make it, never got there, uh, which is rough because obviously in SaaS, there's a pretty high fail rate. Uh, fortunately, it worked out for us. And then I took the same model, applied it at two other companies later, and it worked great there as well. So uh, since then, now I'm coaching everybody, showing them exactly how to take this process, apply it so that you can get the amazing results without having to go through all of the struggle. So obviously, it's been proven um, across some companies in the past and through your, your coaching business as well now. Uh, what drew you to helping people and other SaaS businesses in this way that you are now rather than just working in a business or building out another SaaS product? So I do love building SaaS products. It's so fun, just the dynamic that happens. I mean, there's the one part of the idea that you're taking literally nothing and building it out of thin air. You have a, you might find a great dev team like yourselves that builds an amazing product that just came from an idea. And now somebody actually gets benefit and their lives are improved because of it. I love that whole concept, but also the team dynamic. When you're in an early stage SaaS company and you're working together and you've got some long hours and late nights and you're ordering in from the great takeout place and you just talk about all the amazing things, just that cult, you know, it's just a brotherhood and sisterhood that's just so much fun to be a part of. And I absolutely love that. So once I've done that a few times, I said, this was great. During my times, I would have other founders coming to me saying, hey, we see the results that you're getting. We see that your companies are taking off. Show me what, what you've done. What, what is that? What is that? And of course, as friends, I'm like, yeah, here, here's what we did. Take it. Like, definitely, this is what you should do. Don't do that anymore. Start doing this. And it, and it started working for them. And so after I got out of my last company, I said, hey, this is something that I could do on a bigger scale and make more impact rather than just, you know, myself with my own captive team of people teaching them the process and watching them go from green to crushing it. Why don't I just make a big impact, help people around the world and see how, how many of these software founders can get benefit from the same process. And so far it's been a ton who have been able to employ the same process and see ridiculous results. Yeah, um, you're mentioning, and I think you mentioned it, 60% conversion rate back in the uh, at the start of this and in the previous episode or something on those those numbers changing from 2% to 6% or something like that, but some ridiculous uh, growth and uh, conversion. But what it's amazing, um, we can sort of let fall into roles, uh, and it seems like you've sort of been fall, you fell into this a little bit. You're you're in a business working in, in a sales component. People asked you a question and you saw an opportunity to help more. And I think um, sometimes, yeah, things come to us and I think that may be a situation for yourself. And in terms of um, 
what what do you what do you get the most joy out of in this role that you're in right now? Just helping people with their startup because it is it is that challenge, especially the early days where they're fighting just to keep the doors open in some capacity. Um, and if they're battling to get customers on board into a product, the amount of competition that exists, there I imagine there's a lot of satisfaction in that as well. Oh, it's amazing. So when people first talk to me, they're struggling. You know they have a product that they've designed or somebody else has built for them. And now they cannot figure out how to get it to market, how to get the, the market to understand what it does, how it can help them, how to close deals. And so to see that pain is tough because I went through it and I know how, how much of a struggle it is. When they then, a few weeks later, after they implement frameworks and formulas and start understanding exactly how they should be doing it and how they can close deals, and they come to me and say, Matt, you would not believe what just happened. We put this product, this process in place that you told us to do, and bingo, it hit. And we closed this deal, or we get this deal, and we got this big opportunity. It's so awesome to see the shift in their mindset and the shift in their demeanor go from completely sad and down all the way to exuberant and excited. And the renewed confidence that they have once they understand wow, this works. Now I know I have this knowledge. I can now go after this thing and scale it. And they kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's funny because when I first started coaching, when somebody had a big success, I would, you know, I'm a scotch guy. So I would, you know, tip back a glass of scotch to celebrate with them. Because for me now, without being, you know, in my own company building, I love celebrating and celebrating success was always fun for me, but now it's my clients knowing that they've taken this process and they are now seeing success. I celebrate with them. So I would have a little drink. Awesome job. So excited for you. They would have a little drink sometimes together, but then it actually got a little bit too big. We've, we've got uh, a couple hundred in the program now, different software companies and founders. And so the success has started rolling in. I, I would be a complete lush <laughs> if I had a drink for everyone. Unfortunately, I would love to, but uh, now it's only the really, really, really big win. So it's fun. Oh, brilliant. Uh, Anthony, who's missing this episode today, is uh, also uh, a bit of a Scotch connoisseur. He um, he runs an Instagram following and got a, a bit of a uh, a bit of a following in the Scotch space. So he's a big fan. He probably would have got into a bit of that today, but we'll pass on that. So that's okay. <laughs> Scotch, I'll have one one in a blue moon, but he's uh, he's also similar. He enjoys. I love Scotch. it. I'll have to yeah. follow his Instagram yeah. for Scotch then. That's great. Yeah, I'll share it out to you next time and I'll flick you an email with it. Um, let's dig in. So, perfect deal process. I imagine there's quite a bit to this and I, I imagine it's different for every business and you need to think about all the, the bits and the pieces, the money issue of how it all comes together for your business, for your industry, etc. But at a big picture, how could we frame this a little bit for people to understand what the perfect deal process is and how they might start thinking about it within their own SaaS business? Perfect. So the perfect deal process is something that, you know, is, has been proven to work and it's because it's very simple and repeatable, meaning yes, I can show a founder how to do this, but it's also something that they can now take it and scale their team, right? If I just show a founder and only them, they're the only ones who know how to do it. Their company's going nowhere. And I was just talking with one of my clients last week and he said, if I can't get somebody else to be able to come in here and do this same thing, I'm done. Fortunately, he did. He was able to get somebody else to come in, learn the same process, perform just as well as he was, 
and scale because that is a big barrier. If you don't have the right process, a lot of times software founders are able to accomplish their early wins through just pure passion and effort and force. They just kind of bust it through because of their will. The problem is that next person that you hire to kind of take over sales so that you can actually have a life and not have to do sales calls all day, every day, they don't have the same passion. They don't have the same level of history and understanding of the market that you do. And so it's very difficult. That's where a lot of companies kind of hit a wall when they go from the founder doing it to somebody else trying to take over. Fortunately, when you have the perfect deal process, it makes it a lot easier. So that's what, what we've been seeing is when you implement this, it's repeatable. Now you asked, what is it, right? So Yeah, so what is it? And I think I agree with that too. Um, from a founder's perspective, there's the passion, there's the history, there's the, the blood, sweat and tears, there's the years of investing into an industry, understanding it, understanding customers. And, you, and that's really where it becomes a lot easier to have those sales conversations. Um, so pulling that out of their head and putting it into a process would make a hell of a lot of sense. Um, and a lot of founders might be struggling to pass that information on and not an easy task to do that, especially if it's years of experience. So, um, yeah, I'd love to learn more about what it is just to explain it out to people. Perfect. So the DEAL, D-E-A-L in Perfect Deal Process is an acronym. And it stands for four key things that you have to do within your sales calls if you want to be able to close those at scale. And like you mentioned, our team actually was averaging about 63% amongst the whole sales team, which is awesome for close rates. So when you do it, it works. Okay, what is it? The D is discover. You have to be able to run an amazing discovery process. You have to know exactly what makes your prospect tick. When you're talking with them, you've got to be able to learn what their challenges are, what their pain points are, what their worries are, why are they worried about that? What are their goals? What are they trying to get to? What are they trying to accomplish? Figuring out all of that and understanding more than just, and this is the problem, Andrew, a lot of times we think of discovery as, I just need to discover if they are a fit for us. And so what happens is, and I see this with even experienced software salespeople, once they learn that there's a fit, they're done with discovery. That's wrong. That's the wrong way of thinking about it. Discovery is much more than just, are they a fit? Because they might say, oh, so what's going on? What's your problem? And they say, oh, yeah, we're struggling with this efficiency or our costs are too high. Great. Let's show you our product. And they go right into the product. That is not nearly enough discovery. Just learning if they have a problem is one part of the battle. Really, what you want to do is get them emotional about their problem. You need to get them hating their problem. They might come into the call saying, yeah, we've got something we might want to fix. Let's see if this does it. And they need to leave the call saying, holy cow, our problem is horrendous. I had no idea how bad it was. We need a solution right now. And that's when they're in an emotional state ready to solve problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, a better place of commitment rather than just here's a product, have a look. And they don't really tie the the benefit of the, the solution to the actual problem itself at a deeper level because I think that makes a lot of sense from an emotional perspective. I think everyone talks about it, but how do you get into someone's emotional aspect? Is it more about the why, why, why? Is it, is it digging into what it means from a business perspective? How might you get into that? Yeah, you're exactly right. Digging in is, is critical. So a lot of times people will take the answers at face value. And if somebody says this as a response to what you asked, they'll just kind of say, okay, great. 
the challenge is you need to dive in. Even if you have had so many of these calls, you know what they're going to say, you already understand it. And this is a trouble with a lot of salespeople when they get to be you know, very veteran and experienced, they already know what the person's going to say after three words. The challenge is you need them to go through that journey. You need the prospect to go through that process and you to question them to get them down that hole so that they feel bad enough about their problem that they're ready to fix it. I liken it to an alcoholic. Somebody can be an alcoholic and they're not going to want to get help until they realize just how rock bottom it is, right? They're like, oh, I'm fine. I can control it. Oh, I know I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this. And they won't take steps to get help until they understand how bad their situation is. It's the same thing when you're trying to sell software. The people will not take the action, take the steps necessary to get started until they know how bad their current situation is. And that's what discovery is all about, is getting them to that point to make sure they understand. Now, by the way, if they're... if if you realize that they don't have pain and it's just not there, end the call. Do not force it on somebody because that's not a good situation to be in. Even if you force it and they eventually buy, then they're going to leave soon and your CAC and LTV is shot. So <laughs> don't force it. Mm. But when you see it, find it, dig down, make sure you uncover it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with that. It's We don't want to be forcing product on people and trying to create something that's not there uh, just to get a, a, something in their hands and then they might, in a SaaS world, they'll disappear in a month or two when they find that this is just too hard or not doing anything for me. So I would agree with that. Um, and I, it's, I somewhat I liken these to... So just a bit about us. We run a SaaS product, but we also run a consulting business. And the biggest takeaway from being in a consulting business is we love to dig in and understand what a customer's at. And I think if you're taking that aspect of, yes, you have a product, but still, you need to understand the customer. You understand everyone's different. Um, they've got a different frame in their business. They've got a different way of thinking. Um, and their problems may be similar. I agree. Um, but is your product really going to solve them? Yes, it might, but another 20 or 30 products out in the marketplace might do the same thing. It's about, yeah, attaching to understanding who they really are as a business and showing interest, I think, is probably one of the biggest things that's shown success in what we do in, in the solution side of things, which transitions to more of a, a product um, side of things. So I would agree 100% in terms of that model of getting people more, digging more into the discovery, getting to understand where their challenges really lie. Yep, absolutely. It's huge. And then number two, the E in perfect deal process is educate. Once you've discovered, now you need to educate them. And there's a power that comes from educating somebody and being an advisor. People naturally look up to somebody like that. And so if you can put yourself in a position to not go right from discovering to selling, but to actually, hey, I'm going to sh- I'm gonna share with you something that's going on in the industry. This is something we've seen that I want you to be aware of. They're thinking, okay, end of discovery, let me put up my wall. They're going to start selling to me. I just got to make sure I don't get sold too hard. Wall goes up. And if you say, hey, I just want to share with you some things. We found some statistics, some data, or here's something that's happening, or some famous person said this, and we need to watch out because they're really smart and we, they're probably right. Whatever it is, if you can educate them on some sort of trend or shift that's happening in your industry, that wall will come down and they're going to say, yes, you're going to teach me, give me all the education. I'm, I'm happy to learn more about this. And boom, wall comes down. Now you're coaching them, you're guiding them, much more beneficial to them, much 
much more beneficial to you because now they trust you and they believe that you can help them. So E for educate is really critical that is almost always forgotten by today's SaaS mm. sales reps. Now that is really the adding value before you're doing anything, right? So um, sharing in the education side of things, is it more, you mentioned their industry trends or what might be occurring. Um, what's some examples that you might use um, to say, I don't know, you work with 200 clients, you mentioned there. Um, say one selling CRM. Uh, <laughs> I imagine you've got one of those uh, that's selling CRMs in the space. What sort of things might we educate on? Is it about the data we're capturing? Is it about how we engage with customers from a CRM and what the statistics are if we're doing that? and can, what, is, what are we looking at in terms of education? Well, let's look at it this way. So let's say the CRM is really good at personalizing, right? So you want to send out some emails. You want them personalized. You don't want them to look stock. Well, what I would do is I would say, okay, let's find out where this, where there's a shift. And for me, there's a personalization shift that has happened in our entire world in the last five to 10 years that is super, super powerful. The fact that we have gone, uh, or we've seen companies like Amazon who gives you advice on what next to buy based on your buying purchases. You have Netflix showing you what to watch based on other stuff that, you, that you've watched that's similar. We're so inundated with opportunities for personalization to us that the old ways of sending mass blast emails are gone. Like that does not work anymore. You have to personalize. You need a system that's going to personalize. And so teaching somebody, you if you're not personalizing within your CRM, you're lost. That's a powerful message that you can educate them. Now, it obviously is going to help you sell more stuff because they're gonna say, well, yeah, I need to do it. How do I do it? Don't worry, I've got a product. We're gonna show you how to do it. But by educating them, they're taking it and soaking it up and they love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, um, you're, adding, you're adding value to them that they may not know or they may be aware of but may not understand what it actually means to the bottom line of their business or the impact that they can have on their customers. And I think, yeah, it's beyond what the product, the product conversation, it's more about the value conversation. Um, so I'll see how the education might tie to delivering some value, even if they choose not to go with your product. Exactly. And what they'll say, and I've seen this many times, that even if they don't choose you, they go with somebody else, maybe there was a cheaper cost, whatever. Oftentimes they come back six months, a year later, they realize that other product was not good. It didn't help them. They'll always remember the people who are on their side in their corner, helping them and guiding them. They'll go back to that guide and say, Hey, we tried this other thing. It didn't work. Now we need you to guide us. What should we do now? And that's where you really see the power. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah being on their side and helping them from a, from a statistical perspective, from an education perspective, um, is adding a lot more value than, here, here's my product, this is what it does, would you like it, sign here, <laughs> definitely. Step three, exactly. so we've educated, we've helped them uh, learn something new, we've um, put them in a position of seeing that, okay, there's, there's value in what um, this could do for my business um, or just even this information can do for my business, what do we do next? Good question. So you're right. Once we've discovered about them and learned what makes them tick and we've educated them about something that's applicable, now we do the A, associate. 
How can we associate our product, our solution to both what we just educated them on and their particular situation, their challenges, their goals? How can we make sure that they understand that what we've got right here is the solution that's perfect for their exact situation right now? This is another thing that people struggle with within the software world. Something I struggled with in my early days, why I bounced around on terribleness and mediocrity early is because I would just go through my stock demo. I would just run through the script and just, this is what we want to show. Just let's click every button. Let's put in every form and let's show them how it works. That is exactly not what you want to do. Don't throw up your demo all over your prospect. You want to make sure that you customize it and tailor it to exactly what their specific needs are. If you learn that they need this, hammer on that. Really focus on it. Show them exactly how they're going to get benefit from that solution. If they really want to talk about that, hammer that all over it. So that's where when you associate your solution, your product to their challenges, that's when you win. It's it may, common sense, really, when you think about it, isn't it? Um, yeah, it, uh, and it, obviously it's taken a long time to get to where you are now, but when you talk about it in that light, it's, it's really common sense because in any product you might have um, so many features and it might be feature-rich and the customer only might care about 10% of them. And if you're talking 90% of the conversation around things they don't care about, you're going to lose them and they might not even see what they care about. So I think that makes, yeah... A hell of a lot of sense to me in in that sort of listening, um, yeah, out there. If uh, they got one particular need or requirement, yeah, talking about how you're going to service that need and requirement is yeah, common sense, and uh, will add a lot of value to the conversation and get them thinking about. All right, I'm in my discovery. I've got my challenge here. I've been educated. This is how I'm going to solve that problem, and I'm pretty much getting to a solution for my needs. Exactly. And it's, it, you're right. It sounds like common sense once you hear it and you understand the framework. And that's why it's so powerful once you learn this and you can apply it for yourself and your team. However, nobody does this because even though it feels like common sense, once you've learned it beforehand, nobody thinks of it. It's very difficult. Sales is not intuitive. I, I constantly say that sales is not intuitive. If sales was intuitive and you could just guess like, oh, I bet this will work. I wouldn't have a job right? I wouldn't have 200 software founders coming to me asking for help. So it's not intuitive. It sounds great. Once you understand the framework, it's like, yes, that's it. How come I never thought of that? Because it's, we don't think of that. It's not intuitive. It took me years to figure it out. No, I'd agree. Nothing. Generally, the things that are a simple common sense, uh, hard to find and stumble yeah. across. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not that easy. It's not like, uh, yeah, let's do this. Uh, but in sales, I think, um, especially as founders, you can just plot along and just throw things at a dartboard, have a conversation, um, show some things. And I think, um, yeah, learning a, a script around how to show a product is generally what people would do. Um, this is the steps, all right? This is all the stuff that we do, and let's take them through everything. Um, but, yeah, maybe that's not what they care about. It's their understanding what they care about in discovery is going to lean towards that pretty quickly. Exactly. And that's why the perfect deal process is so nice because it kind of plays each step, kind of uses each other. It works so well together. Yeah, brilliant. All right, so we might only show... 10, 15% of the product. Is that where we might get to? And that's pretty so much, it, that's, yeah. It's funny How that do you, you say that, that because just today, 
I, we had a, so I have a software founders group, a bunch of software founders from around the world get together weekly and we share strategies. We share challenges. We really kind of discuss and collaborate on how we're doing and what other people can utilize from that to build their companies. We were talking about this exact thing. One of the guys in the group who was having a tough time earlier, he really was not really closing too well. What we did was we reshaped his discovery and his educate process. He says that he's closing now 70% of his demos and he hardly shows his product. He says he hardly shows his product. He's purely focused on getting them to understand how bad their situation is and just letting them know the outcomes of working with his product. Sometimes he doesn't even show the demo. I'm not advocating that because that's pretty rare and he's doing amazing, but that's what's possible is that you might not even need to show the product. If you can convince people that this is the solution because you have such a bad problem and we're built for this and here's the social proof and here's the story behind it, people are ready to rock. They, If they realize their problem is bad enough, if you're out in the desert and you're super thirsty and you need anything to, to hydrate, you don't care what water you find, how clean it is and has it been boiled and are, are you going to be okay? You just need something. And that's where you can get people to if you do it right. And I think they're in a conversation. So they're in a sales conversation. They definitely have a problem. Uh, they definitely have a need. They're looking for something. Um, and it's about someone understanding them, um, understanding. And I think we all want to be understood. Uh, I think we don't want to be thrown <laughs> a solution. And I think understanding us as people and who we are and our challenges, it goes a long way. Um, and people connect. And I think, yeah, through something like this, it's really showing connection and understanding. I think just that association process there shows real understanding. You haven't wasted my time to show me through everything. You just show me these are the things that are important to you. I'm going to show you how we solve those problems for you and clearly articulate that. That, that makes, yeah, once again, a common sense component, but not something that everyone's going to think about or not anyone really thinks about because when you're, when you're really taught around um, demoing, here's a demo process uh, and this is what we follow and this is a script and that's generally where people lean to. Yeah, you, you nailed it, Andrew. Uh, in the perfect deal process, there are 40 different facets of it, 40 things that we teach and coach in our programs that you must do, 10 within each of the different letters. The One of those is you need to demonstrate expertise. You need to show that you know what you're talking about. But some people think that means you need to talk all about you. But actually, you can demonstrate expertise by the way you ask questions and what questions you ask. And when you're asking the right questions and diving in on the right areas, they realize this person totally understands my business and me. In fact, you know, you've won when they say you get me, you know, when they realize you get, I have people tell me this all the time. I feel like you're, you, you've been watching me and you totally get me. I'm like, I haven't, I just have been you. <laughs> so that's when you know that people are, are drawn to you and they're in. But and one of the exactly things right. that I I agree with that. One of the things I also notice is if you ask a good question, you'll hear you'll you'll hear the silence, and you say that's a really great question. I haven't thought about that before. If you start hearing those things in a conversation, it generally means you're intriguing, and you're you're taking them down a more of a 
they're looking into their their mind. They're looking for answers. They're looking for what the um, the problems might be. And I think that's a much better conversation than this is what we do. This is what it is. Da 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 da. There's nothing about them, and they're not really yep. learning or evolving in that conversation. Yep, you're exactly right. And uh, that leads L. us to the the final yeah, one. Yeah, just yep, exactly. L. <laughs> so I'm, I'm uh, not sure what L is, but let's dig in. What is L? <laughs> sure. So the L actually stands for lead. You need to lead. You need to be the one to take charge the entire time. So many times, at least in our Western culture, we've been brought up that the customer is always right. And so whatever they want, we typically say, okay, whatever you want, let's just do that. And if they say, hey, here's what we want to do. Here's how the process will go. Let's do this. Let's do this. We will just say, okay, yes, even if we realize that's not actually how they're going to learn the most about this solution and how they're going to figure out if this is best for them. We just say, okay, yeah. The problem is they don't know. This is their first time going through your sales process. Even if they're a big fortune 100 CEO, C-level somebody, they've never been through your sales process. They don't know the best way to learn how to understand and implement your product. You have been through it at minimum. 10 times and most likely hundreds of times. So you know the best way, who's been the most successful at learning it, understanding how the product works and implementing it. Meaning you should have the process nailed and you should be the one guiding, holding their hand through the entire thing. The problem is, again, it's not intuitive. This is something that is really difficult even for experienced sales reps because I actually do test them and we do mystery shops and they have a rough time leading when push comes to shove, but it's absolutely critical. Their entire books let written on how important it is to lead the, the prospect through the entire sales cycle, including on your demo calls. When you can take charge, you are going to prove yourself to be the guide, the advisor that they need to follow. So from a, a leading perspective, that is framing out this is the next steps, this is how we convert, this is the rollout plan, this is how we um, onboard, this is how we support, this is how, and just laying out the land really. Is that what you're meaning by leading the conversation? There? It happens, it actually, ha that, that, yes, that's one of them. Yes, absolutely, Andrew. At the end of the call, you must lay out next steps and you must make sure that they're agreed to. A lot of that never happens. A lot of people just like, yeah, well, think about it and get back to me. Guess what? They won't think about it. So, <laughs> yeah. So. And I think when you when you start out in, in business, and I, I think back to how I used to have a conversation, that's probably how I left it. But I think as you build confidence in your offering and what you do, um, you gen and you know. And I think you mentioned something that most people don't really take on board is the customer generally doesn't know what the next steps are. They're coming to you for advice. They're not just coming to you for a product. And I think mm -hmm. if you take on that that energy, it's important that you own that and, and guide them through the process. This is what works. This is what's worked for other customers. This is what they've done. This is how we approach it. And this is why we do it this way. And it's important to sell that too and have that conversation. I completely agree. You, you, you have got to do that. You've got to have the conversation. You've got to take control. And by the way, prospects want you to do that. They're not coming to you because they're experts. They have a problem. They need somebody who's an expert to solve it. Mm -hmm. So solve it. I think Be that a, person. Yeah, solve it. But if you give them too many things to think about, too many unknowns, they're going to walk away because they don't mm -hmm. 
they don't want to have to solve the problems of getting this thing in, what the challenges are going to be. They don't want to have to think about that. They want to have, here's the solution, here's the outcomes, this is what it is, this is all the bits and pieces, and here's the rollout plan, and set, forget, this is going to work for you. Um, they don't want to have to think about how do I train my staff, how do I get this really in, and how do I know that's going to add value. And I think, um, yeah, that's the job of the sales team and the business to actually guide them. And I think you mentioned that a couple of times there. I completely agree. That is for sure their job is to guide them, to, to educate and advise. Well, this is quite, like I said, quite simple, but not that simple to get here, I would imagine. And I think um, there's plenty of learning in this. And you mentioned there's 10 little things you might do in each section. So if anyone wants to learn more about um, the perfect deal process and maybe jump on board and learn about what you do from an ex I see it more of a sales acceleration type model that you work in, mentoring type model, a bit of group mentoring. How might they reach out and learn more about um, your offering and what you actually do from a, from a digging in and helping and guiding them through this from a, from a SaaS perspective? Yeah, great question. And, and our product, uh, which is a SaaS, it's kind of like an accelerator. It's built for early stage software companies, people who want to get in, get launched and really scale. And that's, that's who joins the program. Uh, how do they learn more? Come to mattwallach.com, M-A-T-T-W-O-L-A-C-H.com. And you'll see everything that you might want to know on there. I also have some free stuff to give away on there, including there's free training. There is a free SAS scorecard, which a lot of people absolutely love. It allows you to keep your, your metrics squared away and understand what metrics to track. So go there. You can download that stuff. You can also find out about our Software Founders program, which is you know, we do want to make sure, just like we talked about, that we're getting the right people involved, but book a call with our team and we'll be able to show you if this, uh, how the program works and if it's a fit for you. Yeah, brilliant, Matt. Thanks again for joining us. And um, like I said, if you want to go and revisit the four pillars of scaling a SaaS company, which was uh, an early conversation we had, episode 53, go and check that out. And I'll dig a bit more into Matt's background as well through that episode. So Matt, thanks again for joining us and we'll share all everything out through the show notes. Appreciate your time. Absolutely, Andrew. Thanks for having me.